Welcome to Alive, a Vineyard College ministry with the purpose to awaken students to their true relationship, identity, and destiny in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoy this message today. And if you want to connect with us, you can follow us on Facebook at Alive Vineyard College Family or Instagram at Alive Vineyard College. Goodness, man, you about to get me drunk out here in the spirit, bro. This is good. Stumbling out here. You didn't touch me. He said. Oh, wow. This might be the last time you guys are in here with us. I'm sad. In fact, because of, because of, where's my? I want to get a selfie. Because I, I need I need I'm about memory stones. I'm about memory stones. And this is a memory for me because I don't know when the next time we're gonna be in here. Okay. Are y'all ready? One, two, three, bam, boom! Look at that! Look at that! Man, that's getting posted. But it's crazy how what the enemy uses to try to distract, derail, God uses to the good. Every time. He doesn't have to. But I think he kind of delights in it sometimes. It's like, yeah, you're going to hit me with that? Well, I'll get you with this. He's like the ultimate chess master. Oh, you're going to move there? Okay, sucker. I'm going to do this. And I love that about him. He's just such a master. A good master, a good, good father. And I feel like as, as, as we uh, are not going to be able to meet here, I think that there's so much more in store. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Check out your feeds, your group meetings, your whatever it is you get uh, when, you come, when it comes to information with live because I think that there's going to be something good coming in store, especially after spring break, despite, despite. When I was about five years old, uh, I, was, I remember living in, in, in Fort Hood, Texas. I was in Texas, and I remember, uh, like it was yesterday, that when all the uh, electricity went out, it was crazy. The whole neighborhood's electricity was, was dark, and it was dark. It was nighttime, and everyone just had no lights, no nothing. And all the neighborhood came out into the, uh, into the, um, the lawn. And we're out there with lawn chairs. We're just kicking it and everything. We had flashlights. We had candlelight and all that. And, you know, I'm seven years old, about, no, about not, not five, probably like seven, seven years old. Like, just, like, wow, this is crazy. And then my mama looks at me and says, Clayton Jr., I want you to go into the house and get me something in my room. And I'm like, huh? You want me to go in that creepy house all by myself in the dark? Like, nah, mom, that ain't happening, mom. I ain't, I ain't doing it. You know, and then she's like, yeah, yes, you are, and you're going to take this candle. And I was like, okay, yes, ma'am. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. Back in the day, you didn't talk back to your moms. I mean, listen, I, 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 I be hearing some people talking to their moms like crazy. Listen, I would not have lived to tell the tale, okay? <laughs> seriously, seriously. Some people be talking out the side of their neck to their mama. But, be, but when I was a kid, I didn't talk back to my mama. And my mama told me to go inside the house. I went inside the house and with the candle nonetheless. 
And so here I am going inside the dark house with a candle in my hand. And I'm just scared. And I'm looking around the darkness. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm probably starting to cry and everything. And then, I, and then add insult to injury. I'm seeing my shadows. And I'm getting spooked by my shadows. <laughs> I don't like it. And so I'm focused on the darkness. And I'm just getting crazy scared. Because you know what? I believed in the boogeyman back in the day. You know what I'm saying? I thought the boogeyman was in the, in the shadows. And so I was scared, like, is that boogeyman going to come and get me? And I'm walking up the steps, the creaky steps, and, and I'm seeing my shadows, and I'm freaking out, and I'm like, I can't do this no more. And, and the more I went into the darkness, the more scared I became. I was hyperventilating. Guys, I was paralyzed by fear. And then my mom had the nerve to give me a candle. If I dropped it, it burned the whole house down. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing, mom? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just scared. I don't know if I got what I was supposed to get in my mama's room, but all I do know is how terrified I was. I was so paralyzed by fear. Guys, I allowed the darkness to make me afraid because I chose to make the darkness all around me feel more powerful than the candlelight that was with me. Because I chose to make all the darkness that surrounded me more powerful than the candlelight that I had with me. And some of us can probably relate to that. We tend to, to make this darkness more powerful than the light that we have with us. We tend to allow the storms of life that are surrounding us Allow that to be more because we're focused on the storms. We're focused on the darkness. And it just gets, it's create this, it, it creates this fear in us. It creates this, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I, can, if I can do this right now. I don't know if I can press in in this way. We can tend to take the storms of life and make it bigger than the solution. The darkness bigger than the light. The storm bigger than the solution. You know, and... To take, for example, what we're dealing with right now, the coronavirus. You know, with some people here right now, just me saying that elicits some fear. Just me saying that just, you know, makes you feel a little, you know, worrisome, a little, a little fearful maybe, or a little cautious, extra cautious. Just the other day, we had people still in hand sanitizer at the church, y'all. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. That's how crazy it's been getting. Like, like now, now since we found out that they still in hand sanitizer, we're like writing with marker on the on on the hand sanitizer. The Vineyard Church, right? So if anybody steals it, at least they'll like kind of feel bad. Like, hey, wait a minute, why are you stealing from the Vineyard Church? And then God can convict them. Convict them, God. Convict them, God. You know, but but you know that that's that. But it's all this all this talk, this coronavirus talk, we can feel like it's darkness looming in over us. We can feel like it's darkness. We can feel like there's this storm brewing all around us. Like, you know what, what if I get sick? Or what if my family gets sick? What if someone I know gets sick? Or, or you know, what, what, if, what if I can't do X, Y, Z anymore? And, you know, all these thoughts, all these, we, we naturally will go down roads that can create more fear and more fear because fear begets more fear. Or what about other fears? Not just the coronavirus. I'm talking about other fears, like, for instance, financial storms that we may be going through. We don't know if the paycheck that I have today 
will make it until the next time I get paid. Or we don't know if all these student loans and all these books and all these things that I have to pay for now, how is that going to be paid off because I have no money? How can I afford my next meal? That's a, that's a storm that can most likely elicit a lot of fear. And I'm not talking about fears of being accepted, a fear of failure, a fear of whether people are going to like you or not. That's, one other, that's another type of fear that we can deal with. I'm talking about the fears that the storm brings, a fear that darkness can bring, a fear that, oh, I have a bad health diagnosis and I'm afraid. My family is in the hospital with cancer right now, and I am afraid right now, Clay. I don't know what's going to happen. It can be a circumstantial fear, a circumstantial darkness or storm. I'm afraid of what's going on around me. Whatever the storm, whatever the darkness, it can conjure up a fear that can paralyze us like I was in the, in the dark house I was just paralyzed. I couldn't move. I was just so shook. But what's going on with that? What's the solution to all that? What's the solution to the fear that comes from circumstances, that comes from the darkness, that comes from storms in our lives? What's the solution to that? Bless you. That's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to talk about today. As I titled my message, From Fear to Faith. From fear to faith. Let's pray and we'll get it in. Lord, ah, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that whatever I have to say, that it just runs in line with what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're perceiving, how you're seeing it, Lord. I pray, Father, that everything that comes out of my mouth lands on open, fertile hearts, Lord God. Hundredfold soil, Lord. A hundredfold soil today, Lord, that we see fruit from what is about to go down right now. In Jesus' name, we pray in the church. Say amen. 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 In Mark 4, you can turn there real quick. I don't put the slides up. Make them work. Make them work. Mark 4, 35 through 40, um, we see the disciples um, going through what? They, 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 they went through some fear. They, they, they went through a storm that elicited mad fear in their hearts. And, and, and in Mark 4, Mark is, is really, he was kind of really described from my boy Peter, one of my favorite apostles. And, and, he, and he records this encounter something like this. Here goes Mark 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. Okay, pause. So Jesus is with his homeboys and girls, okay? He's with his team, and he's like, hey, hey, guys, let's cross to the other side of the lake. We've been doing ministry. I've been preaching like, whoa, out here on the east side. Let's go to the west side. West side? Let's go to the west side and to the lake and cross over the Sea of Galilee. Let's go, guys. And they're like, okay, let's, what's up? Let's, what's up? Let's go. And so that's the plan. Okay, that's the plan. And when Jesus makes a plan with you, you might, as well, you might as well count it as a promise. When Jesus makes a plan with the team, you might as well count it as a promise because every word he speaks will not return void. 
Every word spoken from the mouth of God will not return void. So therefore, you, can, you might as well count it as a promise. You might as well take it to the bank. Take it to the house. Take it to the house. You may as well take it to the bank and say, hey, Jesus is the real to the deal, and he's going to make sure this happens. You see, when Jesus speaks something over your lives, he will carry it out to completion until he returns. And I believe some of y'all need to hear that today. When Jesus speaks something over your lives, he will carry it out to completion until the day he returns. Philippians 1.6. Look it up. That's a promise. It's a promise. Okay, so verse 36. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed because he had it like that. I mean, dude had an entourage. Dude had a following. I mean, everybody named Mama wanted a piece of Jesus, okay? So everybody wanted to follow Jesus. But soon a fierce storm, someone say fierce storm. Okay, soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat. And it began to fill with water. What? This is no joke right now. This is crazy. Like a fierce storm comes out of nowhere and is filling the boat with water. And then Jesus, in verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I would have been like, get that cushion out of here, man. No, I'm playing. That's what disciples did. That's what disciples did. That's, that's what I'm playing around. But he was on a cushion. His head was on a cushion, just sleeping, just chilling. And the disciples woke him up, shouting, woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Now, this was a legit storm, y'all. This was a legit storm that hit these guys from nowhere. How do I know that? How do you know that, Clay? Well, because... These guys, half, the, half his crew, half his team were fishermen. They were professional fishermen. They are used to navigating the Sea of Galilee. They, they, this was not their first time on the Sea of Galilee. They know the sea. But this was a fierce storm that came out of nowhere. Check this out. I believe this fierce storm came from none other than the enemy. Sent to stop them from getting across the boat, or across the sea. I believe that the enemy sends storms to distract and to derail us from pressing into the call of God on our life. He sends storms. That's what he does. That's what he does. And the disciples, they're like freaking out. They're like, oh, well, Jesus, you got us out here about to perish right now. You are sleeping on the boat. How, Jesus, can you be sleeping on a boat. We are about to go under right now, bro. This is real. This is crazy. But why was he sleeping? I mean, was he sleeping on the situation, literally? I mean, was he sleeping, like, just because he didn't care? I want to propose to you that he was sleeping because he is the calm in the storm. When we are looking at Jesus, when we are in our storm, we will always see him doing just fine. We will always see Jesus doing just fine. Whether that's just chilling, sleeping, napping, or just chilling in the, in, in, on the throne. He is doing just fine. 
We may be in a storm like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I don't know what's going on. I'm about to die out here. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Are you going to? Let me, let me carry on. Let me carry on. Why was he sleeping? I believe he was sleeping because he was allowing his team to put into practice all the things that he's been teaching them to do. I believe that he was allowing his team the opportunity to do what he was teaching them all along to do, which is what? The team was supposed to rebuke the storm. But the team was supposed to speak to the storm. How do you know that, Clay? Let's move on. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Verse 39. When Jesus woke up. <laughs> Jesus speaking to you, bro. That's okay. Jesus woke up. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he had his he like, sleepies all in there and everything. You know, he's in some deep sleep. You know, man needs some sleep. Hey, you need, you need rest when you, when you do ministry. You need rest when you're out there doing your work. You need rest, right? Get your rest on, right? You know, don't, don't, don't sit here acting like you can go ahead and do this stuff with no sleep. Be students with no sleep. Do your thing at work with no sleep. Get your rest on, okay? And I'm not just talking about just sleep. I'm talking about resting as well, too. Resting, doing, thing that give you, doing things that give you life, okay? You do things that give you life. Take a day off to just chill, okay? All right, unplug. All right, anyways, Jesus woke up and wiped the cold out of his eye. And then, he, and then he, what did he do? He rebuked the wind. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, shh, silence, be still. Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. And then he asked them, why are you all so afraid? Why are you so afraid? And I can just picture the disciples like, what do you mean, Jesus? Why are we so afraid, bro? Big J, what are you talking about? Why are we, why are we afraid? We're about to die out here. Man, there's a storm coming. I mean, water coming from I don't know where. I mean, I think I got water coming out my butt right now. Like, I don't understand what is going on. Where did the storm come from, Jay? I mean, every time we roll with you, my man, something happens. It's crazy. And then you got the water coming in and you sleeping? What do you mean? Why are we so afraid? And then, and then he, he follows up with a second question. Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? Peter, John, James, do you still three have no faith? Thomas, you're doubting but Do you still have no faith? Like, like, what's going on, guys? And the guys were like, what do you mean? Do we have no faith? Yeah, yeah I had faith that that storm was going to take my butt out, Jay. I mean, I had, I had faith that that storm was going to take me out. Oh, wait a minute. You're not talking about the storm. You're talking about faith in you. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not talking about just faith in you, but talking about faith in actually doing what you taught us to do, to rebuke the storm. So their mind's all messed up. They're all confused. I'm like, oh, what's going on? I don't understand what's going on. 
And then we see things in, 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 in Matthew 17, 20. Because Jesus has been teaching, 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 teaching. He's talking to disciples about what to do, how to do this thing. And in Matthew 17, 20, it says this. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, even as small as mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing would be impossible. Why is he saying things like, you know what, if you believe in me, you will do the same, if not greater works, because you know what, I've empowered you to do that. I've empowered you to do that. Why is he saying these things? I believe, church, that he is trying to empower then his team and now his team to do the works that he's done, if not greater. I believe that he's empowered us to do the works, if not greater, than he did because he's given us the power to rebuke the storms of life. He has given us the power to rebuke the darkness when it comes. He's given us that power. And it says here, hey, 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 listen, listen, guys, real talk. I tell you the truth. What does that mean when he says I tell you the truth? It means that I'm about to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. You may not think it's true. You may, that you, you may think it's whack. You may think it's just me just stay, be, this being all, I don't know, pie in the sky, fantastical. But it's not. It's not. Listen, listen. What I'm about to say is important. If you have faith even the size of a mustard seed, you can say this mountain move here to there and it will move. Nothing would be impossible. Guys, gals, when Jesus woke in the boat, when Jesus woke from the boat, okay, when Jesus woke up in the boat, he rebuked his disciples for lack of faith. What I believe he wanted to do was applaud them for their faith. He rebuked them for their lack of faith. I believe he wanted to applaud them for their faith. Is he rebuking us for our lack of faith or is he applauding us for our faith? When we are in a storm, is he, is he saying, hey, 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 I'm going to applaud you for your faith. You're rebuking it. You're doing what I taught you to do. Or is he going to say, hey, why you of, oh, you of little faith. Oh, Zach of little faith. What, what is, he, is he calling your name and saying, oh, you of little faith? Or is he saying, hey, that's a man of faith. That's a woman of faith right there. That's my girl. That's my man. You know, I mean, sure, he's not going to be mad at you. He's not going to condemn you. But I can guarantee you, though, it takes faith to please God. It's faith that pleases God. And not saying that he's not pleased with you if you don't have faith. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. You cannot do anything to ever change the love that he has for you. But what he will do is he will applaud you for your faith every time you say, hey, I'm not going to pray this, this defensive prayer. I'm not going to be about just praying weak prayers. I'm going to go to the jugular. I'm going to pray to the storm and I'm going to rebu rebuke the storm. Shh, silence, be still. Be still, storm. Be still. And I'm going to keep going after it. And if, I, and if I get got by the storm, guess what? Jesus got my back. Jesus got my back. You see, I believe we're in a storm right now. 
this coronavirus. Or it could be financial. It can be health. It can be relational. It can be whatever storm you're in right now. Whatever storm you're in right now. What is it? What's the storm you're in? Can you see Jesus in the corner just chilling? He's just, he's just doing fine. He has the upper hand on this thing. He's not worried one iota. Why? Because he's good. He's, he's got this. And because he's good and because he got this, we got this. We got this. You see, Jesus is doing just fine. But when we're more focused on the storm and less on what he's trying to teach us, that's when fear enters in. But when we're more focused on him and less on the storm, that's when we can move like conquerors. That's when we can move like conquerors. So when we are in a storm, we can start to take our power and our authority and say, hey, not today. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I return you to sender. You will not have any power here. You will not land any fear here. I will not have it in Jesus' name. No, I, re I command you to return to sender. I want to read something to you that I found that was interesting. Um, this is actual journal written by John G. Lake during the time of the bubonic plague. Okay, so who's John G. Lake? Clay, what's going on with that? Who's John G.? Well, this guy, he was a Canadian-American leader of the Pentecostal movement. He's a revivalist. He's in um, history books as just one of the premier guys in the faith, uh, one of my heroes, actually. And uh, he served South Africa um, like, well, he was a missionary to South Africa. And so this guy was a real deal. He lived from 1870 to 1935, and he lived during the time of the bubonic plague, which was actually a very, very serious thing. This thing took millions of lives. I mean, if you caught this thing, you probably had about a 60, 40 chance you were going to die. Like, it was like really crazy. It was bad. No one wanted to be around anybody that had a bubonic plague. People were just like, I'm, I'm out. I'm gone. I'm never, I'm not going to be messing around with this bubonic plague. Actually, it was crazy. Australia got hit really bad, but also that South Africa, uh, South Africa got hit like, whoa. Um, and, and John G. Lake was doing ministry in the midst of the bubonic plague. He was doing ministry. He didn't shirk back. He didn't run. He didn't hunker. He, he went in. And one of the things that I, I wanted to read was that just, just a, a little excerpt. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen. Just listen um, to what I'm saying. It says this. During the great plague that I mentioned, this is John G. talking or, or writing. During the great plague that I mentioned, they sent a government ship with supplies and corpse of doctors. One of the doctors sent for me and said, what have you been using to protect yourself? So John G. and his team, they would bury people who died from bubonic plague. And they would bury like four people in one hole because there were so many dead people. And so they would just keep on burying, burying, burying. And these, and these, these this government officials came and they were asking, what have you been using to protect yourself? Our corpse has this preventative which we use as protection. But we concluded that if a man can stay on the ground as you have and keep ministering to the sick, and burying, and, and burying, oh my goodness, and burying the dead, <laughs> burying the dead, my goodness, you may have, yeah, <laughs> you must have a secret, 
What is it? I answered, brother, that is the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ. I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my body, my soul and body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me. For the spirit of God will kill it. He asked, don't you think you had better use our preventatives? I replied, no, but doctor, I think that you would like to experiment with me. He's calling him, and oh, what? okay, okay, John G., this is crazy. If you will go over to one of these dead people and take the foam that comes out of the lungs after death, then put it under the microscope. You will see masses of living germs. You will, you will find that they are alive until a reasonable time after a man is dead. You can fill my hand with them, and I will keep it under the microscope. And instead of these germs remaining alive, they will die instantly. They tried it and found it was true. They questioned, what is that? I replied, that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When a man's spirit and a man's body are filled with the blessed presence of God, it oozes out of the pores of your flesh and kills the germs. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This man believed, believed in the power of Christ. Believed in the transforming power of Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you to go up and just start rubbing yourself up on people with coronavirus. <laughs> hey, bro. <laughs> look at this. Look at this. See? I'm still living. I'm still standing, son. What? You know what I mean? Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't get no idea. Yeah. Don't give me no idea. Don't do that. But what I'm saying is that this guy was living with no fear. And the reason why he was living with no fear is because he knew the God of the universe was there in him, flowing through him. Like, whoa. Listen, his heart wasn't pumping Kool-Aid, y'all. His heart was pumping the blood of Jesus, and he knew that. He knew that. Our heart does not pump fear. It pumps the blood of Christ. It pumps the blood of Christ. And when we are thinking like, oh, what was me? What was me? I'm just going to have this. I'm just going to have this coronavirus coming. Ah! Then you're probably going to get it. Think it like that. Think it like that. But if you go, no, hey, I know I'm, I'm good. I'm clean. I'm pure. I'm good. That fear is not going to take a hold of you. Because listen, fear will cripple you physically and psychologically and physiologically. Cri fear will cripple you and paralyze you. But guys, guess what? You're a child of God. So you're not a slave of fear. You're a child of God. You're a son of the king. You're the ruler of the day. A child of the light. We are children of the light, rulers of the day. And John G., this, such, this is so inspiring. He, he understood faith in Christ in such a way that he rebuked the storm because of the grace of God. He never took his eyes off Jesus. Some of us need to stop focusing so much on the problem and focus on the person. Some of us need to stop focusing on the darkness and focus more on the light in us. 
I'm not saying that it's a mind trick thing. I'm saying it's a faith thing. The righteous walk by faith. Ben, come on up and play, bro. I just, I just feel like there's a way for us to speak to the mountains. There's a way for us to speak to the mountains, and it will move. It says it in the scriptures. I'm settled that it will move. When you have a problem in your life, when you have darkness in your life, when you have the storm in your life, you can speak to the storm. You can speak to the mountain. You can speak to the problem, and it will move in Christ. You all right, bro? Okay. Come see me for deliverance if you need some, son. So thank you, Jesus. And if I get a leader to go ahead and sit with them, that'd be awesome. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. That's all, that, this is normal stuff. When you got spiritual warfare going, this is what happens. It's okay. No, it's all good. So when I was a kid, I, I was struggling. Well, I was struggling um, with the dark. I was, again, you know, that story that I was talking about, I was struggling with the dark, struggling with the dark. Every time I would walk in dark places as a kid, I would get scared. I would get scared like I was, my heart would pump fear. And I would get scared every time I faced the dark places of life, literally, physically dark places of life. And I remember that I was growing up, growing up, and I would still get that. I would walk into like dark places and I would be scared. And I'm like, oh, man, here I go again. I'm just afraid of the dark. I'm just afraid of the dark. But I never wanted to admit it to my friends. I never wanted to admit it. I was growing with this fear until in my 20s. Late 20s, I was still afraid of the dark. Why? Every time I went into a house that was dark, I would turn on the light even though I knew where I was going. I would keep turning on the lights, turning on the lights, because it would freak me out if I was going in the dark. And it kept with me, kept with me, kept with me. And then one day, I'm in my house, a grown man. I got kids, y'all. I got kids, a grown man. And I'm walking through my house, and I'm like thinking to myself, I'm afraid of dark. Why the heck am I afraid of the dark? And then I'm walking one day, and then and, and it hit me. Holy Spirit came upon me. It was like, Clay, don't you dare turn that light on, son. I'm like, what do you mean don't turn on the light? said, I don't want you to turn on the light no more. I want you to start walking in the dark without the light because you already know where you're going. You just want to turn on the light because you're afraid of the dark. They don't want to deliver that from you right now. And I'm like, What? Okay, okay. So I, 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 I didn't turn on the light, and I paused for a minute, took a deep breath, started going in the dark. I'm like, oh, God, I'm still I'm, I'm feeling afraid right now. Because, you know, in, in my mind, I had my kid, this kid in me, wanted to be like, well, what's the boogeyman? God, there's, God, there's a boogeyman out there. There's some demons out there. There's some things that's going to kind of come get me right now. But you know what? Who, who knows that we are sometimes afraid of things that are crazy, that just won't happen, just will never happen. That's fear. That's the lie. That's the lie. That's the smoke. That's the mirrors. But I'm like, God, the boogeyman is going to come out at me. God was like, who do you think the boogeyman is to the boogeyman? I'm like, oh, snap. You're right. Who's the boogeyman to the boogeyman? It's him, and he's with me. So I walk with the Aslan by my side. I walk with the lion by my side. But what do I got to fear? And the more I started walking in the dark, the more I started to feel a little more like, okay, I got this. 
God, I got this. I'm going to keep walking in the dark right now. Why? Because I got this. I know where I'm going. I'm going to keep walking in the dark. And every time I walked in the dark, it was like a, like a gut punch to the enemy. Like a punch to the jugular. Bow. Like, I'm going to just get you. I'm going to get you. You know why? Because I got him who's with me. And I was just going at the enemy. And it was like the enemy didn't have no hold on me no more. And every time I walked around my house, I was like, Psh, I'm not turning on no light. I'm good. I got this. And the more I did that, the more I started seeing fear fade, fear fade, fear fade. And as the fear continued to fade, I started to walk into more storms with no fear. I started to go into financial crisis knowing that God got me. It ain't cocky. I just knew that God got me. It was a confidence that he was with me and I didn't have to fear. And then when I went to some health diagnosis, some, some health scares, I know that God got me. I'm good. I'm good. The fear of man, the fear of this thing, the fear from the storms, they'll have no hold on me. Then when I went into other things, other, you know, I started seeing more and more and more breakthrough where fear did not have a hold on me. I want to read some scripture real quick. This is not on the screen. John 16, It says, As I have said these things to you, that in me, that in me, you will have peace. You may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And if he's overcome the world, guess what? He's given us permission to overcome the world too. How? Through love. Because perfect love casts fear. If I am still in fear, it's because I'm not perfected in his love. If I am still, if I am still in fear, it's because I have not been perfected by his love. Check this out. I'm going to read another scripture in John 14, 30 to 31. It says this. This is Jesus. This is so good, y'all. This is Jesus right here talking to his team, telling him some things before he leaves. He's telling them some things before he leaves. And he says this. I don't have much time to talk to you. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. But I will do what the Father requires so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's get going. And so, therefore, here's the deal. He has no power. The enemy has no hold on God. The enemy has no hold on him. And because the enemy has no hold on God, the enemy has no hold on you. But here's the lie. The lie is that the enemy wants you to think that he does. He wants you to think that you're under oppression. He wants you to think that he may not even care that it's that he gets the credit, but the circumstance at least does. He wants you to feel in fear and oppression. But know that Jesus said, hey, he has no hold on me. He has no power over me. And if he's saying this, he's saying sons and daughters also can walk in same freedom. Church, I believe that God is calling us to be a people who takes their faith on the offense, not on the defense. 
I'm not talking about God. Just will you protect me? Will you? Ooh, I don't want to get this coronavirus, God. I don't want to get this thing. I don't want to get the storms of life to come at me. I don't want this thing to happen to me. You know what? No, those are defensive prayers. I don't think God wants us praying weak, defensive prayers. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. But I don't want, I don't think that he wants us praying. Just, just be safe. Help us to be safe. I think he wants us to go on the offense and say, shh, silence in Jesus' name. I'm going to step into the darkness and I'm going to say silence in Jesus' name. I'm going to rebuke the storm and I'm going to go on the offensive. I'm going on the offensive. I believe that that's what Jesus wants to teach his sons and daughters even today with the coronavirus conundrum, the coronavirus madness. He wants to teach us today to go on the offensive and start praying, not that you don't just get it, but that the world is rid of it. That we pray to rebuke the storm. And I don't want to just teach it tonight. I I want you to step into this tonight with me right now. And for the probably the last time we meet here in the ark, why not now? Why not us to put it into this coronavirus here on campus? Why not now? Why not us to put an end to this coronavirus scare on campus? If you want, everybody stand up. I want to, I want you to repeat after me this prayer. Team, you guys can come up and start getting ready to play. I want you to repeat after me this offensive faith prayer. Yes, we are going to the jugular with this thing. I want us to pray an offensive faith prayer in such a way that we're going to command and rebuke the storm to go. We're going to command the storm to go and rebuke the storm today. So if you're with me, what I want you to do is I want you to repeat after me loud and confidently. Repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing us. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing us. With power and authority. With power and authority. And we rebuke the coronavirus. We rebuke the coronavirus. We cancel your assignment. Fear, we cancel your assignment. Virus, we cancel your assignment. Fear, we cancel your assignment. Go back to cinder. Go back to cinder. And we release healing for the continents. We release healing for you of I. We release healing for Parkland. We release healing in Champaign-Urbana. In Italy. In China. In South America. In Canada. In America. In the world. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's a prayer on the offense, y'all. That's a prayer on the offense, guys. It's as simple as that. We are rebuking. 
we are stepping in and we are rebuking. We are not praying some weak prayers. And we are not trying to ask Jesus to do it for us either. Jesus, wake up, wake up. Don't you see we're perishing out here? And he's saying, hey, wait a minute. I've empowered you to do the work. I've empowered you to do the work. What are you calling me for? You got the power. You got the authority. So let's go. Let's pray with an offensive fervor and go after it because the gates of hell will not prevail. When we go on the offense, the gates of hell will not prevail. That's a promise that will stay and remain until the day of our Lord comes back. He gave that promise to us. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Continually uh, continue to speak to us. Continue to do what it is that only you can do in our hearts, Lord God, for such a time as this. I pray that there be a power that flow through us unlike no other that we've never experienced before, uh, a love and affection that blesses us that unlike we've never encountered before in every way, in every way. And Father, I pray that for safety, for spring break, I pray for people to get home safe. I pray for traveling grace and traveling mercies on everyone here. And I pray that the rest of the semester, whether we do distance learning for the rest of the semester or not, that Father, that there be... Um, yeah, that there be your grace and your favor with that whole process on this campus, on both Parkland and UIUC in every way. And the people said amen. 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 God bless you guys. Have a great day. You can go back to the back of the table. Enjoy fellowship there. You can go out to the lobby, get prayer. But God bless you. Thank you for coming out. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. And we pray that this has helped stir and awaken you to live alive to God like never before. If you want to connect with us, let's go. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Alive Vineyard College.